Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Mark 14, beginning in verse 3, and the Word of God says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now this is Jesus getting anointed here by, by this woman. There, and he's in the house of a leper. We talked about lepers last week. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. They scolded her for anointing Jesus, for using her, her all the riches she would have had, about a year's wages in a, in a jar around her neck, almost a dowry. And she broke it over to show her worship. And they scolded her for it. They said, how dare you give that away in such a wasteful way just in worship? Don't you understand? Don't you realize so many people could have been helped? And they scolded her. Now here's what Jesus said. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. I I, I just love this picture as a sidebar. I, I love when I see men filled with the Spirit that are following the Lord, no pride in them, but they just say, I'm in the room and you all are teaming up on a woman. You're, you're, you're trying to hurt her. You're trying to put her down. And I love when a godly man steps up and says, shut that junk down. He could have pulled her aside and had a little lesson. But I love when godly men rise up and say, we're not going down that road. You're not changing the temperature of this room like that. Not while I'm here. And the cowards flee. Leave her alone. He said, why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you could do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could it's a great line, isn't it? She's done what she could. How many of us are doing what we actually could in worship to the Lord? She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Just this breaking open and pouring out being the, the symbolic act before Jesus were to die. This act of worship, this act of honor, this act of love, pouring out all that she had, not reserving for herself, but saying, you are my everything and I absolutely love and adore you. Now let's look over at 2 Corinthians 4. And it all ties together. You'll see how this, this tapestry works. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7, it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. 
We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not given over, driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and we, so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus raises us also with Jesus and brings us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not only to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They will go away. They move to and fro. But the things that are unseen are eternal. But at the very beginning, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And everything comes against us to break us. But there's a beautiful story being told here, a beautiful gift with your life and with my life if we'll allow it to be told. But if we'll never be broken, if we can never be poured out, if we can never be more than just trying to maintain some consonants, then we'll never understand any of that passage. And as a result, we'll fail to understand who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would take these words. And um, God, I'm, I'm all you have to work with. So I pray that you would um, use this preacher and communicate your word in a way that everyone can grasp, that people can grab a hold of these um, heavenly truths. And uh, Father, not just grab a hold and be impressed or nod ahead and say amen, but Father, I pray that um, you would permeate our heart and God, that the, these lessons would become real. These lessons would become how we live. And Father, I pray that the world around us is better for it. Um, God, it is so easy for church people to uh, just gather in a big pile and celebrate how big the pile of church people is. And I pray to God that you would just spread us out. Father, you did it in, in the book of Acts. We all look at Acts 2, where they were all happy and together and eating and stuff in their face. And you broke up that party through persecution to spread the church out. God, may you not have to break up our party with persecution. May we just voluntarily, lovingly pour our lives out for our neighbor. May we take an example from this woman who was scolded for giving her life in worship. 
her resources, her time, everything was poured up into this bottle. And she broke it open in worship. So God, may we do the same to you. And may it come from a spirit of thanksgiving because we understand just how much you've done for us. We love you, Lord. And we praise you this morning for what you're about to teach us. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You guys can grab a seat. So this week, we have an opportunity to either be about the prayer or the wishbone. In your uh, Thanksgiving traditions, I don't know what it's like in your place. Some families will sit down and they'll say, hey, Timmy, uh, what is what do you have to be thankful for? And Timmy will say, I'm thankful for my Legos. And okay, Timmy, that's awesome. Uh, what do you have to be thankful for? And walk around. Maybe that's you. Um, but in a lot of families, if it's a Christian family that you celebrate with, uh, there's probably going to be a moment where you also have this prayer. Um, you'll have a time of prayer and you'll walk around. Either somebody will pray for everyone or maybe everybody will speak up real quick and you pray. Um, but there's this wishbone tradition. How many of you have done the wishbone tradition at your house? Like the kids grab the wishbone at the end. Yeah, a bunch. Good. The rest of you are missing out. I'm sorry. Um, so the, the wishbone tradition, I remember as, as a young, young kid, I would always want to be in on that. And so I would be vying for weeks in advance to try to be one of the people that get to break the wishbone. And, uh, so, I, so I, I would always try to, try to get in and get on that and being one of the oldest, I usually use my elbows and got there. So, uh, the wishbone tradition, here's the deal between the two traditions at a time like Thanksgiving, we, we either are about the prayer, like we, we get why we're here and we actually, we pause for a moment and we give thanks to God and we genuinely pour ourselves out and we're just like, Lord, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Like you're a good God, regardless of the circumstance. Like, like last year that was going on this year, this is going on. And, and either way, you're a good God. You were a good God back when it was hard. You're a good God when it's good, or you were a good God back when it was good. And today it's hard, but you're still a good God. Either way, you're a good, 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 good God. And that's the prayer part. But then what's the wishbone? Why do, why do kids, why do all of us go after, you know, when we're young, the wishbone? Well, it's a, it's a pride thing. I want to win. I want to win. There's going to be a breaking of the wishbone and someone's going to get the larger side. And so, hey, yeah, it's a fun little tradition. But the reality is you really, really want to win. It's an opportunity to find out who's on top. And so the wishbone is just one more chance where somebody in the house gets to be about themselves. And I really believe many of us will have to ask ourselves, is my Thanksgiving about the prayer or about the wishbone? Maybe another way to put it for you that you could relate, is it about the family or about the football? For some of us, now I'm not saying you don't watch football, you should watch football. But this is an opportunity where you're around some people that you might not get to see as much. Maybe, maybe you could actually take an interest in other people instead of dominating the room with everything that you think and every opinion you have and making sure everybody knows where you stand. It's like, okay, Cindy, everybody understands where you stand. But how about that it's about the family? How about it's about others? How about it's about, hey, what's your story? Hey, what is God teaching you? What's going on in your life, in your heart right now? Maybe it's about the family. Some people make it about the football. I don't care what game's on. I don't care who's playing. I don't want to talk to any of you. So I'm going to pretend that that game is the most important thing. That little piece of pig that's going back and forth up and down the grass matters to me. Is it about the prayer and thankfulness? Or is it about pulling at the wishbone? Is it about the people? Or is it about the television screen? And for all of us, I think, 
we are in a Western, Americanized, wealthy society, and we run the danger to make the sacred things common and make the common things sacred. And in turn, it ruins our experience with the life around us. We think we're pausing to reflect. We just have more people in the house. And so what I hope to do is as we unpack the Scriptures, for you to say, teach me to be thankful. Teach me to overflow. As I told you last week, to really be thankful means to be full of thanks. You have to overflow. Because if you haven't overflowed yet, you're not full. But if you're overflowing with gratitude, if your life is overflowing with joy for others, if you're overflowing in generosity and giving, then you can assure, I'm full. I'm full. And this is why Paul said, I learned to be content in all things, whether I had plenty or whether I had little, I learned to be full. Why? Because he was always a giver. He was always generous. He was always pouring himself out, no matter what condition he found himself in. But how many of us are looking at our circumstance to decide if we have enough to be generous? And you're missing out. And I love you so much, I want to fill in that gap. But I can't do it. No one can be generous for you. If I give you the $10 and ask you to give it away, you didn't give away your $10. I would have to give you the $10 and just let you decide what to do on your own. And then you gave it away. It would be yours and then you gave it. But I can't help you be more generous. I can't help you understand this full of thanksgiving life. So all I can do is point to the Word, point to some examples, and ask you to ask God to help you get there. Fair enough? Amen. Let's go. Let's unpack 2 Corinthians 4. Starting in verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing, show that surpassing power belongs to God and not who? Us. The surpassing greatness does not belong to us. There's two things you need to take away from this verse. One, we are the jar. We are the jar. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the jar. Turn to the neighbor you didn't like as much. You are the jar. You are the jar. So, so here's the thing. We have to understand about this entire passage. Hey, you are the jar. I am the jar. When we talk about that passage and the woman is anointing Jesus, guess what? Breaking that jar open, the alabaster jar, we are the jar. And if you want to understand thankfulness, if you want to really be thankful, you have to understand you are the jar in the picture. That's what you are. Guess where the value is? The, the second part you have to understand, the greatest value is in the contents, not in the, cre the container. The greatest value is about the contents. We don't figure out what contents to put in beautiful containers. We, we have beautiful contents, and then we figure out what container it can go into. We have valuable contents, and then we decide what container. And so the container may change based on the contents inside, but you have to understand something. The container is not where the story is. The container is not where the resource is. The container is not where the value belongs. The container is just a container. And so you and I have to understand, when you go and you, you get on the, the uh, essential oils kick, ladies, and you buy like 700 bottles of stuff that you'll never use, like when, when you do that, or if, if you're like people I know, uh, you'll use it all. And you're going to smell like 
the aquarium or a botanical garden. Like you'll just wake up, there's cucumber on your toes and you're like, well, how'd that get there? Weird. But when you do that, you're not paying $17,000 for jars. Do you understand? You're, you're not paying. Nobody's just like, hey, I have a pyramid scheme. I mean, business opportunity. And it involves you buying 700 pieces of glass jar. And we'll just fill it with whatever, but you're buying $1,700 of jar. Nobody would do that. Your, the, the value is in the contents. And if you were the jar, if you were the one that's the jar, and you have to understand that my value, my life, my esteem, I was talking to my wife this morning just about my own like psychology over the years and how it's had to shift. Like, like when you understand that your value and has nothing to do with the jar. It has everything to do with the contents of your jar. But there are so many people that are living their life and all they can do is just talk about how shiny their jar is. Look at the jar. It's like nobody cares about your jar. Like what are the contents? Like what's inside? How, what, how much value? Are you carrying around the truths and the love of Jesus? Are you filled up with the glory of God and is it overflowing into people around you? Like nobody cares about your jar. Like your, thank you, your jar, your life is, you're, you're the jar. And here's what it means. It doesn't mean you don't have any value. What it means is, is that what do I do with the jar is the value. There's a whole nother controversial place in the Bible where, where Paul's like, hey, who are you to know who's in and who's out? What if God creates some vases for destruction and other vases for beauty? What is it to you? You're not the potter. The, the reality is for us, it's in the contents. Your value, my value. You, if, if you're finding yourself, and I wish I could talk to everybody one-on-one, if you're finding yourself in your value and your worth and the things that make you angry and the things that make you sad, if you're finding all of that in the jar, you're missing it. You're, you're, you're missing the game altogether. But if you'll find your value in the contents, if you'll find your value in the self-worth of who Jesus says you are, if you'll find your value in what God has poured into you, if you will really take seriously that, that Jesus died, his blood bought you, you are blood brought, bought, you are only worth the price that someone is willing to pay for you. And because the Lord has paid for you with his own blood, that's where your worth comes from. It's not that you're not worth anything. It's where am I perceiving my worth? If it's based on the outside and what people think of me, I will do terrible things to get that affirmation. Because the affirmation is all that's going to matter. And I will do horrendous things to, to get attention. But if it's about the contents, I all of a sudden quit caring about what people outside of me think. And I start caring about the one who's filling me. And I start saying, Lord, it's about the contents. It's about what you pour in that makes me valuable. So pour in more valuable contents into me. And let me overflow. 
So the first thing we have to understand, we have this treasure, the value, the salvation of Jesus, salvation through Jesus, his love for us, his pouring into us in the jars of clay. To why? To show something. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. It goes on. We are afflicted. Everybody say are. We are afflicted. Some of you are getting ticked off because you get afflicted. I'm sorry. You're following a guy who was hung on a tree. You're not greater than the master. So if you're getting mad every time somebody upsets you, that's on you. And you got to figure that out. And you got to figure out where it came from. Between the ages of like 8 and 12, somebody messed you up. I'm serious. Somebody gave you a trophy. Somebody, somebody insulted you. Somebody put you down. And you're still living with it. And you're like 35. It looked fine at 14. Not so much now. And I'm not, like, I'm not being facetious. You need to figure that out. Like if I'm getting hurt by the outside so much, but the truth of the gospel is that the, the power and the glory of God in me is what sustains me, then I need to figure this out. Why do I care so much about the outside? And it means different things for different people. But we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death, uh, the death of Jesus, always carrying inside the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus, look at this, may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that, why, why in the world are you given over to brokenness? Why are you given over to death for Jesus' sake? Why in the world is, is your, 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 your clay jar always getting nicked and bumped and broken open? Why? Why can't we just live and not ever be touched by this world? Why can't we just live and not ever have anything bad happen to us? Why can't we? The scriptures are clear. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested or, or seen in our mortal flesh. Now look at, this, look at this verse. You might not like it, but it's true. There's a lot of stuff in life that you would really, really like, but it's just not true. I'd really, really like it if my mechanic said, oh, your brakes are fine. But if my brakes are broken, I want somebody to tell me my brakes are bad, right? I'm not trying to go down a hill feeling good about myself, but going off a cliff. So, so the scripture says, hey, so death is at work in us, but life in you. This Thanksgiving, you have to understand something. If things are going good, awesome. But more commonly in this world, not everybody's going to sit down feeling awesome all the time. And it'll help you if you have an understanding of, of what it's about and why and how, how it all works its way out. How in the world can God get glory? How in the world can I be thankful when I'm feeling broken, when I'm feeling like life is falling apart, when I feel like it's not all working out? How in the world? Why? And Paul's saying here, you know what? Here's the deal. Um, we're afflicted. We're pressed. We're crushed. We get hurt a lot, but we're not done. But in the middle of all that, here's what I know. I know that there's a, a living God inside of me. And when I get a crack, the world gets to see him. Because I'm the jar. And when I, when I get broken a little bit, the world gets to see what's inside. And I hope you understand, church, that, that the world is seeing what's inside whenever you get broken. Whenever you get upset. Whenever you get sad. Whenever, whenever someone comes up against you. Whenever life is not working out. Whenever that miscarriage happens, whenever that job loss happens, whenever that person betrays you, when all of that stuff goes down, the world is seeing from the inside now because there's a crack 
in your jar. And so Paul said, you know, this is an opportunity because Christ is being made manifest in us. The value is what's in us. The value is not in the jar. And so if God, if God chooses to allow some cracks to come in my, my protection and, and all of a sudden the world gets to see what's inside, oh dear God, would you please let them see Jesus? Would you let them see my Savior? Would you let them see the value of everything I hold dear? Would you let them see that I hold on in times of brokenness? Would you let them see that through tears I'm trusting in Jesus? And for that, I can be thankful. I can be thankful for me that God still has me. He's trusting me in this moment to be a vessel that He can use for His glory. And he's also, I can be thankful that while I'm being cracked, I can be thankful that the world is getting to see the Jesus that I've seen all along. And so you and I, we've got to get to a place to where we understand that, you know what, when things are going well, good, good, praise God. But when things are, when I'm starting to get pressed or broken or crushed, guess what? The world gets to see my God. And you should be giddy and excited for those moments because you and I, when we walk around in our day-to-day life, We're so manicured and we're so put together and we're so full of ourselves that the world really doesn't see the Jesus that we place our salvation in. It was only when you got to the bottom that you decided to say a prayer that said something to the effect of, I know I am a sinner and I know because of my sin I deserve to be separated from a holy God, but I know that that holy God sent His only Son to live a perfect life, die on the cross, and voluntarily give me new life. And through his death and his bloodshed, he gave me a new existence and a new heart. And so my soul now is brand new because of Jesus. But it was only someplace, somehow, you got to a place to where your pride wasn't winning that you were able to declare that. You were able to play second to God and you didn't have a problem with it. But once you start to get manicured and once you start to get eloquent in the faith, something happens. You begin to to kind of protect your jar. Now all of a sudden we've got really polished jars and shiny jars and we've got different shaped jars and everybody's fancy about their jars. And you look over and you're like, wow, look at that church. They got amazing jars. That church has large jars, like lots and lots of jars. How awesome. And they're really displayed well. They have backlit jars. And we get so caught up in all the stuff about the jar. And God could take his hand and run along that shelf and knock everyone to the ground. But what will come out of those jars? And so you and I have to get to a place to where we say, Lord, I give you thanks because in blessing, I thank you for the blessing. But in brokenness, the world gets to see Jesus in me. And that's a gift too. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His eternal presence. Into His presence. Christians are eternally thankful for an eternity with God. We're eternally thankful for an eternity with God. You see, it's not about my thankfulness is about winning the wishbone. 
My thankfulness is not about, do, does my team win on, on the big game? My, my thankfulness comes because I'm going to spend eternity with God. And eternity begins the moment that I step from death to life. The moment that I trust Christ as my Savior, eternity, the clock has started for me. And I'm experiencing eternity. And when I brush up against a believer in Jesus, when I brush up against a man or woman of faith, like I, I'm, I'm experiencing a bit of heaven. And, and when these things happen, I celebrate because of it. But when these things happen that are negative, I still celebrate eternity. My celebration and my thankfulness and my gratitude, they should not change like shifting sand. They should not change like, like shifting oceans. They should not change like everything else in this life that moves and I can't grab a hold of it. it it's not playing the, the, the coconut cup game at the Oriole Park. It's not doing that. It's saying, Lord, I give you praise anyway. I'm expecting an eternal ransom. I'm expecting an eternal habitation with you. I'm expecting forever with my Lord. And so, Lord, you get my praise regardless of the circumstance. Whether things are good or whether things are bad, I give thanksgiving because I'm overflowing with gratitude knowing I'm going to spend eternity. And so he's like, hey, you know what? The reality is, is that since we have the same spirit, you and I, then we understand according to what's been written. I believe so I speak. We also believe so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us. So my thanksgiving doesn't depend on my circumstance. My thanksgiving depends on my destination. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As a brief aside, if I wish you would go and just read Corinthians. You will see the most defunct, messed up group of homeboys and homegirls that you have ever seen. You would be like, why in the world would God want that group of people in heaven at all? And I pray I'm not on the same street as them. Like you would read this stuff and you would be like, that's in there and God loves them and this message of hope is being given to them and, and, and he's, Paul's looking forward to being in eternity and sharing eternity with a dude that wanted to sleep with his mom? And the church that was allowing it? You would be like, why would Paul want to be with those people? I really believe much of that of Scripture is written down for us so that you and I would go, oh, well, if they'll let him in, <laughs> maybe I'm good. But, but Paul's looking and he's like, hey, you know what? Here's what you need to look forward to, an eternity with God. And I look forward to sharing it with you, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So that as more and more people meet the Jesus that's inside, if it takes me getting broken so that someone else gets made alive in Christ, go ahead, break me. Because here's what I know. I don't like the breaking. I don't, I don't like the breaking. But if, but if one more person meets Jesus and now their life starts to give thanksgiving to God, guess what just happened with my brokenness? My brokenness now, instead of being inside and instead of me giving one vertical praise to God all the time with my selfish life, all of a sudden, because I was broken, that person came to life. And now, 
there are twin towers of worship and praise going to God. And in another season of life, I was broken again. And I poured myself out and I said, Lord, the value is not in the jar. The value is what's in the jar. And you want me to pour this out on this person over here. And now I'll share my story with them. And, and oh, my goodness, they came to life in you because I, I was broken and they could see Jesus in me. Oh, my gosh. Well, well, Lord, then that's another beam of light. And so, Lord, if, if it means that when I get broken and when I when I when I spill out what's on the inside to others. Oh, dear God, if it means that there are many, many points of light that give you praise and give you glory and give you honor. Now, all of a sudden, my jar being protected and shielded and 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 pent up and and the pretense filled life that was just going to be me and my jar and my happy old self praising you by myself all the time. Or it's that. Every once in a while, the Lord's going to allow me to go through something that breaks my jar and I spill out on the others and people see that I still have faith and I still trust and I still love and I still give grace and I still give mercy and I'm still generous even when I shouldn't be. And when, when people see that, they just go, who is that Jesus inside of you? Well, now all of a sudden it's spilled out and there's more and more points of light headed into heaven. And now my life, think about it. My life, it was left undisturbed, selfish, all about me, would have been one point of light if I knew Jesus. But because I'm allowing the Lord to use me, now there are hundreds and thousands of points of light. And if those people that I discipled were really discipled, then they too would be okay with being broken once in a while. And so now there's millions eventually. Or... So that's your praise. Your life can exist with that many points of light of praise. Or you work so hard and you avoid so much adversity and you plan so well and you manicure such an image that you never have to experience any brokenness. Well, good for you. You're a flashlight with a AAA battery and you'll burn out. I want my life to matter. I pray you want yours to matter too. But the value is in the contents of your life, not in the jar. Quit being so protective of your jar. So we don't lose heart, it says. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. I love this. I love it. He's talking about being pressed but not crushed, being persecuted, being uh, uh, but not abandoned, and being thrown down but not destroyed. And he's calling this a light and momentary affliction. Isn't that good? That is some Monty Python stuff right there. It is but a flesh wound. It's like you don't have arms, bro. That's okay. Let's fight, coward. Like, and so. That, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's like, hey, my life is just, it's going, I, I'm being pressed and I'm being crushed, but I'm not abandoned, I'm being persecuted. But, but it's light and momentary affliction. What is he doing? Is he crazy? No, no, no. He's comparing the pain he has to go through for the blessing and the praise on the other side. And when you compare the little bit of inconvenience and the little bit of pain, oh, well, there was three hard months. Okay. No, 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 Pastor, this was worse. It was like a year. All right. You might get 72 of them. You might get 85. You might get 90, 100. Who knows? 
But what I do know is that if that brokenness in you spilled over and there were dozens of other people that saw your story and their trust in Jesus was built up, it was still, in comparison to eternity, light and momentary affliction. The problem with Christianity, the problem with us many times, the problem with us not getting to know Jesus is that we view everything as death, as horrid, as a disaster. And we've got to post it on social. And we've got to gossip about it. We've got to talk to all our family and friends. And the people that are happy, we've got to make sure they're not happy. Because I'm not happy. So how would it be right if you're happy? And we just got to make sure. Just make sure we're vomiting as much as possible. But I love Jesus. It's like, no. Like you just left everything come out of you. And it was vomit. It's not real appealing. But when you go through hardship and you call it light momentary affliction for the sake of others who are going to see Jesus in you, okay, I'm in. Like, that's pretty cool stuff. Because you're probably, if, if you're a cool person when you're going through hell, you're probably a pretty awesome person when things are chill. You're a no drama mama. I had to find a word. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want you to understand something. You and I, if you're a Christian, Jesus wants to come out of you. And there are only two ways where Jesus comes out of the Christian. Voluntary through pouring or involuntary through being broken. And if you're a vessel that Jesus wants to come out of, your life's options are that you become a vessel who pours. You become a generous human. You become a giving human. You become a loving human. Your resources are not your own. You say, Lord, the more resource you give me, the more I give to others. And it's not a if I win the lotto bet. It's a, Lord, I'm a college freshman and I've got nothing in my name. But if you give me $10, I'm finding a way to be generous with one. And as I work my way up and I become the mid-management level, then Lord, I'm going to continue to give. And as I become the boss, then I'm going to continue to give. But Lord, with my life, what I want you to see in me that is I'm a faithful person and I will pour out my life for the good of others. Or, or, you making this pronouncement, Lord, I am a Christian. I am bought by You. You are going to give me all of eternity. And my life is Yours. You do with it what You want. But I'm going to be greedy. And I'm going to be selfish. And I'm going to work on how pretty this jar looks. And He will crush. Because 
He didn't put Jesus in you so that Jesus stays there. He put Jesus in you so that you will pour Jesus out. And so you will pour or you will break. But if you're really a Christian, you'll give away Jesus. True thanksgiving creates new thanksgiving. True thanksgiving, a life that is fully given to the glory of God, true thanksgiving creates new thanksgiving. Meaning someone else, somewhere else, is going to praise the Lord Jesus because of your existence. Not because of you, but because you gave selfishly and you loved selflessly. You poured yourself out. Or when you were broken, you were generous and you said, Lord, have your way. Finally, the ultimate result of my willingness to be open or broken is that others will get a whiff of the fragrance of God. Yes, we thank God for our temporary blessings, but we understand, as the Scripture said, the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so we think and we thank eternally. We think and we thank eternally. We think about our future, our, our current, present suffering, but we're not thinking about it just in what it's getting for me today. We're thinking about it saying, Lord, if I'm going to go through this trial, would you please use it to get the most glory and the most good? Would you get the most glory with my life? And will you find a way that people around me get the most good out of my life? Because if I've got to go through hell anyway, I want to make sure you get praise. Or you can combat God. And you can fight God and you can be resistant and you could walk around every day with your, your hands clenched for a fight with God and you could just say, God, I don't deserve to ever go through hardship. And I'm mad at you if I go through hardship. And I don't deserve to ever lose something. I don't deserve for somebody to get sick. I don't deserve any of this. And so I'm always going to be mad whenever something happens to me. Or you say, Lord, it is light and momentary affliction. All I ask is you get the most glory out of me and the most good happens to people around me. That's all I ask. If I've got to go through it, you, I was serious when I said that you bought me with your blood. So I'm yours. And if I'm going to go through it, I'm not worried about the jar. I'm worried about the contents. Because the contents are where the value comes. And I want to make sure that you get the most value out of the contents. And people around me get the most good. We think and we thank eternally. If you only thank God when things are well, you won't know how to have a relationship with God when things go poorly. If you're only thanking God when things are good for you, you will have no idea how to have a relationship with Him when things are going poorly. But if you have an amazing relationship with God when things are hard, you will have an astronomically beautiful relationship when you're living in a season of blessing. If you know how to deal with God in the drought, you will be the greatest praise warrior in the middle of the storm in the middle of the rain, in the middle of the pouring down. You, if you know how to deal with God when it's hard. If you can thank God fully, completely, without any reservation, in the middle of the drought, when you're broken. Oh man, do you know what kind of a praise warrior you're going to be when you get back up? Do you know what kind of a giver you're going to be when you're on top? For whatever reason, for God's reasons in my life, Christy knows this. This season, God has just been really, really gracious to us. And for several months, I looked at God and I said, God, I don't know how to be your child in a season of plenty. 
I have lived my whole life with my back against the wall. And over a month or two, God began to reveal to me people and situations to pour into. So now, I don't think our taxes are going to look much better. But it's going to be for different reasons. It's going to be because we decided to say, Lord, you don't have to break us to get it out. And we were pretty generous before. But like now we're like, I don't know. We're just at a season where we're just like, Lord, I'm not going to create. There's a story in Scripture about creating storehouses. I'm not going to create storehouses. I'm not doing it. I refuse. I'm not going to build new barns. The moment that I have a little bit more than what I need, we're giving it away. So we've had some cool moments with people that we love recently where they're big, big time need and we were just able to present them with checks. We, we heard a story and we were able to, to totally bless this person that I've ne- we've never met them, but we just heard their story and they're standing up for Jesus in a, in, a, in a quiet way, but it's in a way that it was subtle. But to hear that person on the other end of the phone just break down and say, no one has ever been this nice. I promise you, church, living that way, poured out, it's a thousand times better than living with greed. And the only way God can get something out is when He cracks you. Now listen, don't mistake. You can be pouring out and still get cracked. I don't want you to take a message home that God's against all your problems. No, you can be doing great and a bad thing happens. Because remember the first part of that whole verse at the very beginning. He said, now we are afflicted. Which means life will be hard. Stop trying to live a life that's never hard. Try to live a life that when it gets hard, God gets the most glory. And the people around you get the most good. And instead of one point of light celebrating and giving praise, thousands of lights give praise because of your existence. If you're going to go through hell, make it worth it. And give thanksgiving to God, even in the desert. And then you'll really celebrate Him when you're standing in the garden. Let's pray.